These often just don't happen. Okay, so but I said a lot, so let's backtrack for a second. So let's talk about the plateau phenomenon first. The first thing that a lot of people don't think of, and I think that this point is not emphasized enough, like um, we do say a lot that, okay, like you don't have to add weight to the bar every single session, but I think for some reason, it's just not explained enough why that is the case. And the explanation here is pretty simple is because there is a difference between being plateaued versus not being able to progress by five pounds, okay? So the way we progress and the way we measure progression and the way we determine whether we are getting ahead or not is strictly constricted and determined by the increments that we have in weight in the gym, okay? To me, that sounded like a very complicated sentence. I hope to you it didn't, but basically, in most gyms, you know, 1.25 kilo small weight plates, like those are the smallest increments that we have. So if you're doing barbell lifts, you can add 1.25 kilos on each side. That's 2.5 kilos in total, which if you're using, let's say, 100 kilos on some lift, then 2.5 kilos in total, that's a 2.5% increment on that lift. If you're using 50 kilos, then that's a 5% jump on that lift. And, you know, you can always do the math. On other lifts, usually it only gets worse from here. So barbells are pretty much the king when it comes to how gradual you can make your progression. If you're looking at machine exercises, and of course, especially these stack-loaded machines, so you have like a cable apparatus hooked up to the machine, and so you're just selecting the next increment, the progression increments are abysmal usually. So if you're doing cable lateral raises or bicep curls, but especially cable lateral raises where you will be working with small weights, you go from five kilos to 7.5. I mean, that is a 50% jump in weight, which is uh, quite insane if you think about it. Like you would never attempt to do that on any other lift. And actually, I just realized that I lied. The king is not barbell exercises. The king arguably is the plate loaded leg press. Like that's usually the machine where you can just uh, keep beasting out for a very, very long time. And it also helps that leg press might be, in my opinion, maybe the most demanding exercise in existence, um, which, yeah, I mean, there are a couple of reasons why I think, but you will be lifting very, very heavy weights and you can still use those 1.25 kilo plates to overload things. In fact, arguably, you don't even have to put 1.25 kilos on each side. It might be still recommended, like just in case to make sure that you're not inducing any kind of imbalance. But I mean, it's a machine, so it's not going to like tilt. And I think like having slightly more weight, like, you know, 30 centimeters to the left versus being like perfectly symmetrically balanced is probably not going to make any difference. So you can very nicely microload it and um, you, you can progress on it for ages. And again, it's, so it helps that it's this demanding because uh, you're not going to push yourself probably as hard as you possibly could in most cases. So you will always have a little bit of extra room by just pushing harder. The point is that progression and how fast that happens and how frequently these plateaus happen, those cannot be separated from these logistical considerations like how big the weight plates are in your gym. So let's take a very classic example. So we mentioned the 80 kilo bench press. So you were doing 80 kilos, let's say for eight reps, or let's say for seven, I don't know, for some reason, like this nine reps for the bench press, it just bothers me. So eight reps, okay, that's the target. So you were doing seven reps, you try to go up to eight reps. So last week you did eight reps for 80 kilos, and this week you go up to 82.5 kilos, and you get seven reps. Now, most people I think at this point would not say that they regressed, but they might say that, okay, I 
just didn't progress yet. Like at this point, progression is going to take a longer time. So I just need to weigh this out. So next time I will try it again. The thing is that going from 80 kilos to 82.5 and then losing a rep from eight to seven, depending on which type of model you're using and, and which type of calculator you're using, it could actually be considered progress. Okay, so the Epley formula, that's that might be the most famous uh, one rep max calculator, um, which you might wonder, like, why am I using a one rep max calculator? I'll get to that in a second as well, because that's another thing that people just don't think about at all. But if I plug this in into the Epley formula, let's say 80 kilos. Okay, apologies, this took a little bit longer than I thought. So according to the Epley one rep max calculator, these two performances, so 80 for eight versus 82.5 for seven, that would actually be considered progress. Um, more specifically, it would actually be considered a 0.6% uh, progression. Okay, that that's small. Okay, so like, 0.6%, like what would that be? So like, let's say your one rep max is uh, 100 kilos, then, you know, like 0.6%, that would be going to like plus 600 grams, right? So it's actually more than a pound. So I mean, we might, it's more than half a kilo. So we might call it insignificant, but it is pretty like unmistakable progress, like uh, 600 grams on the bar put there, like you would kind of definitely notice. Like a power lifter, if you're telling them like, okay, do you want to lift this weight for your third attempt when you're doing the bench press? Or can I put this uh, 600 gram weight here? Like that's, that's not a problem, right, bro? So yeah, just let's not uh, underestimate this achievement. Now, if I plug it into a, a different calculator, so this is the Brzczki, Brzczki, is he like Polish or Slovakian? Seriously, these languages, like wh when you thought that you can not put any more t k z after one another, they managed to squeeze in yet another one. So, so according to this other calculator, it is actually a regression. If you go from 80 for eight to 82.5 for seven, you have uh, regressed. Okay, so like your estimated one rep max in the former case would be 99.3 kilos. In the other case, it would be 99 kilos. Now, I think there are two things that are worth talking about here. One is that, you know, what seems like it's a plateau or stagnation or not even that, but like, okay, so I increase the weight, uh, drop the reps a little bit. I just need to wait until I make progress again. Maybe you are already making progress. Like, uh, you know, the two calculators are in a little bit of a conflict with one another, but it might actually be that the reason why you're even having these thoughts is just simply for logistical reasons. Like you just don't have small enough weight plates to actually measure the progression that is actually there. Your weight plates are just too big. It's that simple often. And then this brings us to the other thing I wanted to mention is that I don't think any of us spend a lot of time thinking about, you know, how do we know that we progressed, right? So if we go from 80 for eight to 82.5 for seven, um, I think there's not a lot of people, again, who would consider that a regression. Um, maybe there are some people who would consider that not progressing on this session, at least. I, in fact, I would say most people would consider it that way. Now, if uh, with this weight addition, so this 2.5 extra kilos, you were to drop two reps, so from eight reps, you would go to six reps. I think there is a considerably higher number of people who would consider that a regression. And I would be inclined to agree with that, but I don't think that anybody, so like, let's say you went up from 80 kilos to 90 kilos and you would get six reps instead of eight. Is there anybody who would consider that regression? No, I think like most of us would be over the moon that we only lost two reps if we went up by 10 kilos. 
So, but how do we know these things? And the truth is, um, at this point, we largely know it from experience. Like we just played around enough with, okay, like I go this much heavier than this, this usually happens. I, I go like this much heavier than, ooh, then bad things happen. But you know, the reason, like when you plug these things into a calculator and you check like, okay, so this is how many reps I got with this, then with this many reps, um, like what weight should I be able to lift? Like all of those are actually, it's kind of like a calorie calculator. It, it basically just is trying to predict what's going to happen. But you know, the way these models were developed is actually, once again, pretty similar to how cal calorie calculators are developed or how, you know, volume amounts are prescribed to people. They're just looking at a couple of characteristics and based on that, they're trying to estimate what's going to happen. And, you know, there are, there are the studies which tried developing these calculators. And what they do is just take a bunch of people, they make them do five RMs and 10 RMs and 20 RMs. And then they try to predict, like uh, try to find a correlation between how many reps they got with certain weights and um, what their estimated one rep max would be based on that. Then they actually test their one rep max, which has loads of issues, you know, testing one rep max for anyone else but someone who has for a long time practiced doing one rep maxes is kind of a shit show so you know all these calculators are, are going to be inaccurate to one degree or another so oftentimes what might seem like regression or a plateau might actually not be a plateau it might actually be progress uh, and, and this gets much much wilder if you look at uh, these stack loaded machines so I'm, I'm just going to plug in something that i can just you know, a quote from my own gym. So I have this techno gym weight stack. So I'm at the 7.5 kilo mark with lateral raises. And I get, you know, like 12 reps, like sometimes if I'm in absolute like God mode, then I might get 15. But okay, so 7.5 for let's say 12. So if I go up to the next increment, which is once again, a complete insanity 10 kilos. Okay, so I, I plugged it in. And holy shit. So, okay. So, so catch this, um, 7.5 for 12 and then 10 kilos for six, which one do you think is better? <laughs> do you think I regress because I only got six reps with 12, with 10 kilos? Uh, the answer is no, I actually, this constitutes progress. Uh, so this would be a point, uh, 0.18. So like, like basically a, a 200 gram, uh, progression or a 2.2% progression, 2.2%. Are you crazy? That's amazing. That's pretty much the ideal rate of progress session to session. So, you know, it's, it's worth playing around with these numbers because what might seem like regression could very well be progression still. Okay. Now still on the theme of, you know, what is progress and, and what's not progress. Another aspect of this is the unquantifiable. So we can very well measure the number of reps and we can also measure how much weight is on the bar. But what we cannot measure, for example, very well is effort. We can measure that when the differences between two effort levels are obvious enough. So when you can feel that, okay, like I definitely have another rep in me, which, you know, anybody who is relatively experienced in the gym should be able to tell versus, okay, I can, I can barely grind this out. You can definitely tell the difference between that. But when you don't have any more reps, so you can definitely tell that you don't have another rep in you, but then one was easier than the other. That's much harder to tell. Still a pretty experienced lifter can tell that when it's a grinder in both cases, but one of them was an even bigger grinder. Now that's very hard to tell. And I would say that that should probably be taken into account in an ideal world. 
So what I said about not being a fan of RPE, maybe I should be a bigger fan of RPE. So, you know, I, I was making fun before like a year ago. But guys, I changed my stance on a lot of things. In, in this past year, I, I learned so much, honestly, which is pretty cool. Um, but I'm actually planning a video on like, okay, on all these videos, I was wrong here, here and here. Like I'm actually working on that video now. But, you know, I, I was kind of making fun of this whole idea of, okay, so uh, nine RPE means that I would have had another rep and then a 9.5 RPE would be, I wouldn't have had another rep, but maybe I could have done the same thing with a bit more weight. Um, now, I don't think I was completely wrong because yeah, I think most people just have like no real means of telling apart the differences between something like that. But still, I think sort of this is already going in the right direction because it's trying to pick up on these subtleties, which become all the more important, the more experience you're getting. Like, you know, when you're earlier in your training journey, which probably actually most of you guys are watching this, uh, but it's still good to know, I think, for you as well, you know, how hard you needed to grind. I mean, if something was easier, but maybe not so much easier this session compared to the last that you can add another full rep or you can add another five pounds to the bar that should still be taken into account. I mean, why wouldn't it be taken into account, right? Uh, also, what about the concept of, you know, partial reps? Or so, you know, maybe last time if you attempted to do another rep, like you would have gotten like here, like you would have moved an inch. This time you moved three inches. Now, okay, there are potentially some other issues there because maybe you didn't, that that would be truly training to failure, right? Although not necessarily if you were um, stopping each rep. So, I mean, you can still stop the rep even if you don't train to failure if you're shooting for a given effort level. So, I mean, you don't necessarily need to train to failure to do this. And this brings up another point, which is that the way we measure progression is not only arbitrary because of the weight plate issue that I mentioned, but it's also arbitrary because we measure progression. So we have basically one checkpoint where we evaluate whether we progressed or not. And that is at the very least at the end of a set. So, you know, some people measure progress and they look at all, let's say three or four sets that you do for an exercise. Some other people like often myself, I will look at the first set mainly, but even I, you know, I look at all the reps that you have completed, the set has ended and that that is our, our checkpoint. And that's where we see, okay, like, did you progress or not? But if you think about it, that's to some extent fairly arbitrary. You know, I mean, it, it's a little bit akin to uh, like a runner, let's say doing three laps around the 400 meter athletics pitch or running pitch. So like a 1200 meter run and then the coach stands there at the end and is just looking at the time and he's saying, okay, so you didn't break your time last time, so you got worse. Well, that's a fine mindset to have during a competition because yeah, there, like, did you get there first or not? But in training, I mean, what if, what if that runner for like the first 900 meters, that was like the best 900 meters of their life. And then at the end, they guessed out a little bit, but like everything up to that, like it's like something clearly happened. Some progress was clearly made. And then the runner could be like, but coach, like, like, didn't you see what I did for the first 900 meters? Like at the end, I just, whatever, like I just pulled something or well, not, not pulled something, but I, I guessed out. So, okay, we still need to work on my stamina. That's still an issue. So this is still my weakness, but something clearly happened here. So, I mean, I, I think you're being a bit harsh. And then the coach, of course, is like, don't talk back to me. Go and do five push-ups or 500 push-ups. No. Just remembering back to my kayaking days uh, and fencing days, especially. I think, and don't get me wrong, I'm not telling you to do this because I'm not doing this myself. 
I, I don't maybe I will just for fun at some point but but I'm not this crazy either but probably like if you wanted to be really meticulous about your training uh well you would either use one of these bar speed measuring devices which actually sound pretty cool in concept uh, I think they still need to work on the design a little bit so that e like even if you do invest the money they are a bit more convenient to carry around or what you could do is actually record yourself and then look at the set duration or look at, you know, the average bar speed. So like a um, repetition speed, you know, how fast you completed each rep, look at the average of that or whatever, look at the first five reps only, but, but something and try to pick up on these small, you know, deviations or variations session to session and see like, okay, based on these things, for example, is this progress? Is it not progress? Like, I think this would be some very valuable information. Um, you could do this. I'm not telling you to do this because for one, it's a giant pain in the ass. Um, secondly, like you would kind of really have to be systematic with these things because in the wrong hands, these tools could easily turn into something that uh, leads to either just obsession or just the poor training practices or actually fooling yourself into thinking that you're progressing, whereas you're really not. It's like, okay, actually my bench press has been going down by like five pounds every session, <laughs> but the, the bar speed looks really good. So I'm progressing, right? Uh, no. So, I mean, you, you need to know both like the theoretical underpinnings of all of this. And also you, you just need to have some experience to make good use of these things. But all this is to say is that there is a lot of like little unquantifiable things which are unquantifiable because we just simply don't have sophisticated enough tools for them. But I think it's important to understand that yes, weight and the number of reps is the most straightforward and often foolproof way to measure progress, but it has its imperfections and in many ways it's actually arbitrary and is a pretty limited way of measuring progression. Now, I also want to talk about periodization real briefly. Periodization is basically just the organization of your training over time and training variables over time. So non-periodized training would be you go to the gym, your rep target is, let's say, 10, and you try to do 10 reps. And if you get that, then you increase the weight and then you try to get 10 reps again and just repeat, you know, at infinitum. Periodized training would be changing some of the variables. So maybe some sessions it would be 10. Then in another session, your rep target, it would be six. Maybe in another, it would be four, then back to 10, or maybe in some sessions, uh, you would only aim to hit a PR in the first set. In another session, you would aim to hit the rep target in all three sets. You know, like there's a bunch of things you can vary this up. Uh, there are, I don't know, like three, four or more like famous periodization models, but this is basically what periodization is. Now, it is often said, and I would agree with that, that periodization strategies are something that are going to benefit more advanced lifters. So yes, while you're a beginner, you would just aim to hit 10 reps with higher and higher weight. When you're more advanced, you might do something like, okay, so week one, three sets of 10, that's your goal. Then week two, three sets of eight with a little bit higher load, that's your goal. Then week three, three sets of six, and then back to 10. And hopefully when you return to 10 reps, you can use higher weight. Now, what actually happened here? So why does this work? Because, you know, many people swear by this. I also like to implement uh, DUP, so daily undulating periodization. It's basically the same thing. So it's basically just a switching between different rep targets. But why do these things work? 
Is it because by going from 10 reps to eight reps, you're working like a different type of muscle fiber or you're stimulating your nervous system in a different way and that is able to ignite progress once again? This that's going on here? Or is it just the case that before you try to add five pounds or 2.5 kilos to your 10 rep max, you waited an additional, you know, two, three, four weeks? I could, to be honest, easily see that it's the latter, but it could also be another thing. And that is, you know, maybe, and this goes back to the calculator issue once again, you know, how do you, so let's say you do this kind of periodization protocol where you go from 10 reps to eight reps to six and you change the weight. When you do this, you're probably going to try to estimate what would be an appropriate load for those rep targets. So if I did, let's say 100 kilos for 10, you will select the weight, which should be good for eight reps. How do you know what weight that will be? You will try to estimate it with a calculator which at this point is probably going to be pretty accurate, but might not be completely accurate. In fact, it's most probably not exactly accurate. Um, maybe it's going to tell you that, okay, like let's say it's 110 kilos or 105 kilos. I don't know what it's going to be. And it might turn out that, yeah, it is actually quite accurate. So you go to, let's say, 105 kilos, and indeed you can do eight reps, but you conclude that, okay, I could do it, but this feels harder than my previous, you know, 100 kilos for 10 did, or it's easier. And, you know, is that because you're not used to benching with 105 kilos? Is it a nervous system thing? Is it a muscular thing, a muscle fiber thing? Or is it that this estimation was actually not correct? So maybe if it feels harder this time, then, you know, with, with this 100 kilo weight for 10 reps, you were like not quite at your limit. Like this was not a 10 RPE, right? Like this, this was not you truly giving your all to complete it you still have like an additional, you know, like fraction of a percent in you is just, well, since you cannot add that amount of weight to the bar and you, there is no sense in attempting like a quarter rep and then like dropping the bar onto yourself, you just stop there. But this, you know, 105 kilos for eight reps, now that is truly pushing you to your limits. Or, you know, it could be the other way around. Now it's easier. So, okay, that was a 10 RPE. This now with the 105 kilos, that is, this is only like a 9.5 RPE or something. So I think that might be another reason that you might be actually better able to push yourself exactly to your limits, which I think at some point is necessary to induce progress. And, you know, when you're stuck at a weight and a given rep target, like it's kind of a shitty situation because, you know, it would be good to push yourself even further, but there's no way like the jump to make, do an extra rep is just too big. And also the jump to lift, you know, the next weight increment is also too big. So you want to push yourself more, but how do I push myself more? Like do another half rep, get a spotter. Some people do that. Some people get a spotter and then they do some, you know, assisted reps or some force reps. Um, there are issues with that from like a, you know, a fatigue standpoint and, and disproportional recovery burden perspective, but maybe they are doing it right because at some point I think it is important to really push yourself to your limits, to reignite that progress, but it's hard to do because of the limited tools that we have. So I think by using these periodization models and, and using different rep targets and different weights, you might get closer to that sweet spot where you're really pushing yourself to your limits simply because even though those weights were estimated from your current performance with this 10 rep max in this case, 
but it's not going to be completely accurate. So maybe those will actually be closer to what the real deal is. That is just a potential explanation. And of course, we cannot discount the fact that maybe there is something to this whole uh, muscle fiber idea that, okay, with six reps, you're stimulating more of the fast switch muscle fibers than you did with 10 reps. So it's going to result in better gains. It, it could also be. There is one other option, which I think is a very smart one. And I think it is something that probably at some point when we get really serious about lifting and if we are really committed, we should be doing. In fact, originally I wanted to name the video, the day you start doing this is the day when you decide you are serious about lifting, but I don't want to be too gimmicky, but yes, I really do think that we should be microloading. And I think that at a certain point, it's basically unavoidable if we want to continue progression without a ton of inefficient practices in the gym. And especially if we care at all about progressing our isolation lifts, okay? Because I'm telling you that the, so this periodization stuff, like like uh, this undulating rep target or, or sets times reps and that undulating over three or four weeks that I outlined, that can work okay and can basically make the use of microloading redundant in the case of compound lifts. So bench presses and squats, stuff like that, this can be enough. On something like a cable lateral raise, uh, it's just not going to cut it. I, I can tell you that. So if you use this, you know, like let's say I have four sets and um, so I'm going to try to hit 10 reps in all of them and then I'm going to go to 12 and then to 15, then back to 10. It's going to work to a very limited extent. And once again, it's worth playing around with some calculators. Like if, if your weight that goes like mine and you go from five kilos to 7.5 and from 7.5 to 10, I mean, I, I did some math on this, um, but did I get uh, frustrated and I deleted it? Oh, yeah, I did. But you know, if you just think about it logically, a very good progression increment on the bench press or the squat is something like, you know, 2.5, maybe 3% per session. Newer lifters can, of course, progress much faster, but later on, this is why we can progress so well, or one of the reasons we can progress so well on these lifts, and this is why the leg press is inexhaustible almost with the progression, is, is because a, like a lot of people, like I would say most lifters, by the time they are intermediates, like 200 kilos, that's like a pretty standard weight to use on the leg press. And you can still add, you know, 2.5 kilos in total to that, or even less, you know what I mean? That, that's 1% progression. So of course you can roll with that for a long time. On the bench press, you know, you're lifting, let's say 80 kilos, you add 2.5. I mean, what is that? That's so that that's less than 5% progress, but it's, it's, it's also a bit more than 2.5, but you know, like it's still very reasonable, like probably three point something, I would guess is the progression amount here. It's still reasonable. With this 50% increase in weight, I mean, are you completely nuts? So. You know, if you go from five kilos, let's say for 15 reps to 7.5 for 15 reps, the amount of strength and, and muscle you would need to gain for that, it's just insane. In fact, I was playing around with some, um, you know, some people say, okay, like this, and this is what I used to do so far, to be fair. I would just say to people, you know what, like, let's just use some higher rep target, like, you know, 20 reps or more. And then if you then increase the weight, you won't drop down to like five reps. You will only drop down to whatever like 12. Well, the thing is, if you do the math and see like how many reps would you need to add to your lateral raise to create the equivalent situation of matching your reps with plus, you know, 2.5 kilos uh, at 38 reps or something like that, I was still not done with this or, or no, or, I think I, I had to go from like 15 to 38, according to my calculation. Now it, it might not actually pan out like that in real life, 
but but I wouldn't be surprised if it did because that's kind of my experience. A 7.5, like I used 7.5 kilos on the lateral raise like three years ago. And it, it's not surprising because it's a freaking insane amount of progress that I would need to make. In fact, I might not ever get to 10 kilos for 15. Um, but I think I can make potentially, you know, similarly impressive gains on my cable lateral raise on this techno gym machine that I did on my bench press or, or some other compound lift is just, I need to equalize the conditions. Like on the bench press, I'm not trying to go from hundred kilos to 150 and then to 200, you know, I, I will go like in 2.5 kilo jumps. So this is where micro loading comes in. And micro loading is basically just adding small amounts of weight, which would be good if the gym had, but it usually just doesn't and making the progression a bit more reasonable. So instead of just selecting the next uh, increment on the stack, you will put something small on the weight stack and the total weight is going to go up by like hundred grams or something like that. Now, um, is that a pain in the ass? Uh, yes, it is. You will either have to buy magnetic plates, although I heard from some really good brand, it's called uh, Everymate. Um, Brian Borstein told me about it and they have very reasonable prices. I don't even understand how this freaking plate mate brand is, is able to get away with. So either I don't understand how they can get away with being so expensive, or I don't understand how Everymate can get away with being so cheap. Something is off, but it's still like, so it's going to be, I don't know, 30 bucks for like eight plates or something. And by the way, I think you don't even have to do that necessarily. Like I just played around. I just went to the Home Depot. I mean, I was there for other reasons, but I just picked up these tiny little iron circle things and I was looking at it. It's like, huh, I could actually put these on my wrist cuff and put that on my wrist. And then, you know, like this is like extra 50 grams, let's say. This one is an extra 70 grams. Or if I just use the cuff itself, that might be 70 grams. Plus I add these things on top of it. Now it's 140 grams and I can just hook that onto the weight stack. I added 140 extra grams or less. Little things like this we can use. Yes, it, it's going to increase the need for precise tracking of your workouts. It's also a pain in the ass because you need to carry around these things. Um, so you don't need to do that. I mean, you don't need to do anything, right? But I'm just saying like, if you're really serious about progressing your isolation lifts, then I think that this to some extent is unavoidable at a certain point. And I would also say that if you're really serious about lifting, then I think at a certain point, it, it is kind of just unavoidable period, because at a certain point, the logistical makeup of your gym and the size of the weight plates, the size and, and the jump in between the different levels of weight stacks, they are just forcing you into needlessly complicated training practices at times. Like I think periodization has value, but I think we are often forced to start using it much sooner than we otherwise would have to, which just complicates things further because of these things. So, and I think microloading could be a very good way of getting around this. So the title to some extent stands the day you begin microloading is the day you truly commit to lifting. Now, are there issues with microloading that uh, limit its utility? Yes, of course. For example, on something like a lateral raise, you know, if you add 50 grams, so yeah, I mean, if, if you go from five kilos and you want to progress by, let's say 2%, which would be pretty good, you would add roughly a hundred grams. Um, now one could argue that just a small alteration in your form on the lateral raise, like bending or straightening out your elbow slightly more is going to make a bigger difference than those hundred grams that you're adding. I would say that's completely true and that's very valid, but I think that these small variations are going to be there in your performance, no matter what, you know, in practice, this 
these sorts of objections don't really help us because what's the alternative? I can tell you what the alternative is. It's often that we just lose focus on these lifts completely. And that, that's what I've been doing personally, to be honest, like just going there to sandbag and not often not even really counting my reps, just wrapping out. Is that the end of the world? I would say not, but at the same time, you know, for Netties, I, I'm just not a huge fan of just quote unquote, trusting the process. Like I, I want to see some sort of progression and ultimately, even if it is fine, I, I just don't think it's fun. Like, don't you like chasing progression at least a little bit? I mean, I think this is the, the thing that hooks us oftentimes. Like we go to the gym, we are not quite sure whether we really like this whole, like all the meatheads and, uh, you know, like the girls that are not looking at us, but are looking at the meatheads, which is frustrating. There are some things that we like about it, some things that we don't, but when we can see that, okay, God damn it, like week to week, I'm just getting better and better. And now that's really motivating. So when you're just having a like two, three exercises each session, like like curls, like tricep extensions, whatever, like leg curls and like lateral raises that, that are just haven't progressed in like months, if not years. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty discouraging in my opinion. And basically I think this plays a big role in why a lot of us have exercises, which we just perpetually chronically skip and, and just do kind of haphazardly like in, in this campaign sort of fashion, like when we are in the mood, we will do them. Uh, where, but I think that wouldn't necessarily have to be the case if we could regularly progress on these things. So I think for that reason, um, implementing microloading is, uh, is a good thing, which I think uh, you should all consider. That's pretty much all I wanted to say for today. Maybe actually I wanted to say more things, but uh, I kind of got tired from all the talking. Um, for how long have I been recording? Is that possible? No, surely not. Oh, no, it is. Holy shit. <laughs> okay, I'm curious like what the what the end result is going to be when I edit all the fluff out. So yeah, uh, guys, that was the video for today. Um, I will see you soon in the next video. If you're interested in uh, Uncle Able, no, no, definitely not that. Control Z, I didn't say that. But yeah, so if you're interested in working together with me, then uh, check out the show description. You will find how you can um, be coached by me or do a consultation with me. Um, and for more content like this, please subscribe and um, I will see you in the next video.